Hello and welcome to PathPod. This is our next episode of the PathPod Quiz Show. Today our hosts, Dr. Sarah Jang, Dr. Christina Arnold, Dr. Kamran Mirza, and me, Dr. Mike Arnold, play our punny games with our guests. Our guests today are Dr. Daniel Lubin, an assistant professor at Emory University, Dr. Margarita Loxus, a first-year resident at Northwestern University, and Dr. Casey Chacau, a PGY1 transitional year applicant for the 2023 match. Now here's your host, Dr. Sarah Jane. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the PathPod Quiz Show. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah Jang, and I'm joined by my wonderful and fabulous co-hosts, who I will let introduce themselves. Hi, y'all. Christina Arnold. Hey, everyone. Kamran Mirza. Nice to talk to you all. Hey, everybody. Mike Arnold. Good to see everybody. And then we are joined by three fabulous guests. We can let our guests introduce themselves as well. We can start with you, Danny. Sure. So yeah, I'm Danny Lubin. I'm an assistant professor of pathology here at Emory, and I do cytopathology and head and neck pathology. Originally from Miami and been jumping around the Northeast for a while for med school residency, but now down here in Atlanta. Hey everyone, I'm Margarita. I'm a PGY-1 at Northwestern Pathology Program and originally from Northwest Indiana, about 30 minutes south of the city. Hi, everyone. My name is uh, Casey Ashuko. I'm a transitional year resident uh, applying pathology this fall. I am currently in Southeast Michigan for residency, and I'm actually born and raised not too far from the Ann Arbor, Detroit area here. All right. So we've got like a good Midwestern contingent going. We've got, you know, Kamran from Chicago. I actually grew up in Chicago as well. So I also have some fond memories of the Midwest. I could like drive out south, like southeast of Chicago, then hit where Margarita grew up and then keep going east and then hit where AC grew up. And then then I'd have to go really far down into Florida where Danny grew up. But, you know, (laughs) it's on the way. Long trip down I-95. (laughs) <laughs> hey, you know, we, we did that drive when I was growing up. You know, my parents drove from Chicago to Disney World, I think twice. And that is how I know my parents really loved me because <laughs> we were in the car for so long. <laughs> and they just had me in the back being like, can we get a Happy Meal? Can we get a Happy Meal? And That's right. And, and we never got a Happy Meal. We yeah. always had road trip snacks. Immigrants. How we do it. No stopping at fast food. Just tea eggs in the cooler. I swear, you know, that's how we were too. And like now with my kids, we do get the meals. It's it's amazing how things change <laughs> with generations. Yeah. We do an obscene thing. We go to our, our gas stations and we just like act like we've never eaten before. <laughs> we walk out that's with true. grocery bags. Oh, I love that. I love All that. the things we don't allow ourselves to eat during the non-road trip. It's just thrown out the window, get all the stuff. Kind of weird, right? Like, yeah, I'm the same way. It's like, eat so healthy normally but as soon as I'm on vacation I'm like I'm just gonna chug whatever I want on the road you know Popeyes whatever it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna pretend like I eat so healthy normally but I have the same inclination like when we stop at a gas station on a road trip I feel like a kid in a candy store probably because there is like tons of candy but I love getting all the weird flavors of potato chips that they have there and trying like I think they have like a Funyuns flavored potato chip that I am definitely on the lookout for because that sounds absolutely disgusting and I want to eat it. I've never seen that. Wow. It's a new thing. It's a new thing. You got to keep up on the new potato chip flavors. Yeah. You got for sure. Should we get started with our first game, Dr. Mirza? 
Absolutely. All right. So I'm sure many of you have already heard how this works. We play this fun, very informal and low stress game. And it is my pleasure to be playing the game with Casey. So I get assigned Casey and we're going to have some fun with some board style questions. And so Casey, before we start with the questions, we wanted to know a little bit more about you. So we know already through Twitter. And so maybe some people might not be on Twitter. They'd love to know. Your path to pathology is kind of an interesting one. So do you want to share a little bit about how you found your way to becoming a, uh, an aspiring pathologist? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for the quick little intro there, Dr. Mirza. Yeah, so my, my hashtag path to path really started in April, March, April, earlier this past year. So I, you know, you know match day kind of came and went. So I found myself in a transitional year program. And, you know, it was a lot of like mixed emotions because figured through that whole week through this process, it was in my best interest to really take a step back and really reflect on my past couple of years in med school and really think, you know, what is it that I'm most interested in learning about? And that's in medicine, surgery, and learning about how diseases work and how do we come to diagnoses, you know, pathology, the topic itself just kept coming to me. And I remember we had a pathologist at MSU where I did my med school at, and his name is Dr. Kowalski. And I touched base with him a couple of weeks after the match. And I reached out to him and we touched base and we talked a little bit. And next thing I knew, I was involved in the MSU path interest group. Next thing I know, I got in touch with Meredith Herman, who she's a good friend of mine to this day. Still, so we support each other on our path to path and Twitter, mentorship, advocacy, education. It's just been, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I finally found my group of people. And so I, I can't wait to keep the good times rolling. That's fantastic. So, you know, I mean, usually we ask questions about kind of what you would have done if you weren't in medicine. And I know you have a background in sports. I'd love to know all this journey that you've had. If there was one piece of advice that you'd have for people who are aspiring pathologists, what would that advice be? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of it really stems from my days as a student athlete, but teamwork is important to be a member of a team, to be able to have each other's backs to really be able to be open and honest and vulnerable and not just develop good collegial relationships, but develop true friendships. I think it's that way in medical school. I know it's going to be that way in residency, after residency, back at home. I mean, be able to be open and vulnerable and just to be yourself and just to have fun with it all because life is way too short sometimes. So just enjoy the ride. Amen. Sounds great. Fantastic. All right, so we're going to move right ahead into the quiz show segment. In this segment, I'm going to read you several board style questions and it'll be multiple choice. And so I guess- Dr. Mercer, you didn't tell Casey what he's playing for. Oh, yeah, yeah. Coveted I'm prize. I'm going to mention it. I'm going to mention it. So, and in that, if you give us the correct answer, you will win a point. And if you win enough points, which we will, we have arbitrary points here, you are going to be able to have the chance to win an unbelievable, Path board clear ruler. Woo! It's so clear that you can't even see it on Zoom. I yeah, mean, yeah. Just... We all have our rulers. So so we've all played this game, I guess. <laughs> or made I, the rulers and Or made the rulers. I, I I want that ruler. Let's let, let, let's do this. I'm here <laughs> for the ruler awesome. too. Let's find oh. on that ruler. We can do it. We can arrange it. All right, Casey. So you ready to play? Let's do it. Okay, for an unknown number of points. Question one: intercellular bridges are characteristic of which of the following layers of the epidermis? Is it A, stratum granulosum, B, stratum lucidum, C, stratum corneum, 
or D, stratum spinosum? I would really have to say stratum spinosum. D. Ding, ding, ding. Woo! Very nice. Excellent. So yes, as we all know, electron microscopy has shown that these intercellular bridges are in the desmosomes in the stratum spinosum. Good job. All I right, like you're on a winning you... streak already. Cameron, I like how you say, as we all know, electron I know, microscopy I like, has confirmed I intercellular this. bridges associated. With I'm like, I, listen, I'm not sure that we, Casey apparently knew this. Keep, I don't think the, that I knew that. The smoke and mirrors up a little bit, just a tiny bit, you know? As, as we all know. As, we, as I'm literally reading the answers from a sheet, we know that that's where they're found. But that's kind of cool. And I'm really impressed that he knew that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, second question. Which one of the following disorders may in some cases be successfully treated with anti-elastase therapy, which is alpha-1 antitrypsin, right? Is it A, asbestosis, B, emphysema, C, carbon monoxide poisoning, or D, asthma? My gosh, that's a good question. I feel like my gut is telling me, you said emphysema? That's right. Yeah. Ooh, wonderful. Excellent. Yep, exactly. So I'm not going to say that as we all know, but you know, surface tension, all of that stuff, alpha-1 antitrypsin has the anti-elastase activity. So that's how it's used. Wonderful. Two for two. Ooh. So your last Ooh. question. A 10-year-old girl has multiple excoriations that have appeared on the skin of her hands over the past week. The child reports that she scratches her hands because they itch. Physical examination shows multiple 0.2 to 0.6 centimeter linear streaks in the interdigital regions. Treatment with a topical lidocaine lotion resolves the itching. Which of the following organisms is most likely responsible? Is it A, Ixoides scapularis, B, Poxvirus, C, Sarcoptis scabii, or D, Tinea corporis? Gosh. I have to really go with scabies. Yeah, see. Excellent. Three for three. Dr. Zhang, do you think he qualifies for a ruler? Absolutely. That was amazing. Actually, as I was listening to you say the questions, I was like, as I did not know any of these answers, I'm glad that I am not applying for residency because I don't think I would be allowed in. But Casey, you did a wonderful <laughs> job. And so that you will be getting this very fancy limited edition PathPod clear ruler so that you can be the envy of your friends and enemies when you are measuring tumor dimensions, huge stacks of money, other things that are measurable in the Midwest, the depth of a slice of deep dish pizza. I don't know. What other things could you measure, right? Just I was about to say snowfall oh, now officially oh, yeah. on the ground. What? Yeah. It's actually snowed already where you we, are? We got snow. Oh, sorry. My face is just, you can't see it in the, in the podcast y'all, but maybe you can hear like my just horror mm. <laughs> that it's cold there already, yeah, but yes, you can off. measure, you can measure mm -hmm. snowfall, but only up to about six inches. So you'll probably have to stack multiple path pot rulers to measure the snow. For Michigan. Winter. That's true. Yeah. 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 Congratulations. That was awesome. Oh, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Nice job. Awesome. Very impressive. All right. So next up, we have our resident game for Dr. Loxus. Dr. Loxus, welcome. Tell us about yourself. Hello. I'm a resident here at Northwestern Memorial Hospital, and I grew up just outside of Chicago. So 
I'm happy to be home. It's very nice to be around just support systems from high school, college. I went to Loyola Chicago for college too. So I'm very familiar. I have a lot of love for the city. So just happy to be back and happy to be on PathPod. Yay. And what is your favorite part of being a pathologist? I think honestly, as a resident, I love doing frozen sections because I just like really enjoy the interprofessional collaboration aspect of pathology. I just absolutely love being able to discuss what are my eyeballs able to determine about like this patient's life. And I feel like with frozen sections, it's very tangible. And it's also really fun as a resident because you're able to like cut everything and seeing everything and you have a really big hand in the whole process. So I was actually covering Frozen's today. So had a great day. <laughs> oh, congrats. I totally agree. So I have to say as an attending, there is a layer of pressure that 100%. Is, is there, but I still enjoy Frozen's. I love speaking yeah. to my surgical colleagues that come back and chit chat with me. We talk about the Frozen's, we talk about our lives, we kind of catch up. And so it's a nice time to catch up with my colleagues and if they bring their med students with them. I like to recruit them to pathology. I think I've said oh that on goodness. the Pathpod Quiz Show before. I love yes. that. Yeah. I had so many visitors. The last time I was covering Frozen's, I, it was almost every specimen had like a new person who had never seen a frozen before. And that was so exciting. And I just think everyone should see one, especially if you're going into surgical specialty. And I also think you hit a good point of just a lot of the enjoyment of pathology residency is that you almost get to enjoy it. Just like I got to enjoy medicine as a medical student, because most of the pressure is off of me. Like everyone is double checking my work. Right. So mm -hmm it's kind of nice because I really just get to enjoy pathology for what it is. And I know that like, if I'm wrong, I get to learn from it. You know what I mean? And it's been a really great experience of just getting to enjoy the field again, in, in a way that a lot of my other intern friends in different specialties don't get to just like sit back and absorb their field. They're really thrown into it. We get thrown into it in a different way. And I think it's really conducive to learning. So it's fun. Yeah. I want to pick up on something you said, which is you have such a good attitude, which is, well, if you make a mistake, you get to learn from it. Right. I think right. like residency, <laughs> I always tell residents and fellows training is your time to make a mistake, commit to that diagnosis. And if you're wrong and you fall flat on your face, it's totally fine. Right. <laughs> you get to nothing happens. From the mistake. <laughs> right. Nothing happens. Your attending is like most likely not going to make fun of you. They're just going to teach you and then you're going to move right. on and you will remember that so well because of making those mistakes. So it's a great opportunity to make mistakes without hurting patients. And I know it's very early on in your residency, Margarita, but any ideas of future career paths? I mean, I'm not married to anything. I've always, always loved GYN. I love every aspect of GYN, the clinical aspects and the pathology aspects. So I could definitely see myself in GYN, but we shall see. I think definitely selling in search path for, for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's an excellent area to be, and it's good to keep your mind open as well. All right. Are you ready for your very own quiz show game? I am anxiously anticipating these questions. I So I chilled out a little bit on the bad puns. I'm normally quite punny and it's so painful. Oh. But I chilled out a little bit. No, no, don't worry. There's still, there's still some okay, funniness. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> yes, yes. Hopefully not as many groans. And again, you are also playing for the coveted path pod, clear ruler. Oh, all right. I'm so ready. Yeah, yeah. So as you all know, I love food. And one of the things that I've been doing is posting pictures of food from like 
my travels or food that I've made and trying to do some hashtag foodie path. And so this draws from that a little bit because I am lazy and already had thought about a lot of food items. So give you an example <laughs> of a question that might be asked. For example, if I were to ask something's fishy in the abdomen, this cyst is full of material that looks like this underutilized condiment which is also a classic descriptor of the gross appearance of a high dadded cyst, you would answer what food item? Anchovy paste. So the oh answer is going to be <laughs> a food item each time. And on the stem of the question, I will tell you about both the pathological process and maybe some punny hints as to the food item. Okay, amazing. I do want to preface this by saying that my co-residents are going to think this is hilarious because I constantly groan about how much I hate food references and technology. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so sorry, like, uh, but not sorry no, no, at no. all. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with this for me. You know, this is really like facing my, but it's, it's I swear I didn't know that they did not. No, I, I know. I know you did not know that. Oh yeah. No, I should have. Oh my God. I didn't even think of that. I'm like, my co-residents are out to get me, but no, they're going to think this is hilarious because they're like, this is my worst nightmare. Come true. Oh, no. So we're having a great time here. Well, you're going to remember it. You're going to face your fears. You're going to conquer oh, 100%. and you're never going to forget any of these ever again. All right. No, I love so, that. I, I didn't think that you knew that we were having a therapy session today, but we are. So it's <laughs> always there. It's always therapeutic to get together with colleagues and chat. On the no, I love, I love it. I love All it. I love it. All right. Let's All right. do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So kind of, it's getting to be pumpkin spice season, but yes, of course. this is, yes, of course. I'm not even going to get into the controversy of pumpkin spice, but this one is not just a festive spice to sprinkle in your holiday baking or your latte, but the speckled appearance is seen in livers with chronic passive congestion and arises from the congested central veins appearing as darker spots with your background liver appearing paler in comparison. Do you know what the term is? Nutmeg parenchymon. Yes, exactly. Nutmeg liver. Has anyone here actually seen a whole nutmeg seed? I've seen nutmeg liver. That's about it. I can, yeah, I've I seen, can imagine. I have, yeah, I've definitely <laughs> seen more nutmeg liver than actual nutmegs. I think I saw some at the spice store and was like, that's too much commitment to get a whole nutmeg seed. And right. then I have to like, grind it. Just yeah. See lazy, lazy. See, you're doing great. The food references will hold no fear for you. All right. So next question. I bet these two pantry staples are in everyone's kitchen. And I also bet everyone has squinted really hard at their biopsies, trying to tell if particular tumor cells have the characteristic speckled chromatin pattern that is typical of neuroendocrine differentiation. Do you know what the food item is? Salt and pepper. Exactly. Also a fan. Back from my heyday. But yes, so exactly. True. Salt and pepper chromatin. You got it. And I feel like, right? Like that's a thing. You stare at the nuclei and you're like, does this really look like salt and pepper chromatin? I remember 100%. being like, I don't even know what that means. You just kind of like yes. stare at it, nod when you're attending. It's like, oh, this looks like salt and pepper chromatin. And now that I'm in attending, I feel like I do that and my residents just like nod and are like, you are so full of it, Dr. J. <laughs> well, you have to know that the second that comes out of your mouth, narrowing a differential, right? It's not just mm -hmm. like describing what it is. It's like, you're assuming this is neuroendocrine. So it's like one of those things that you're 
careful about when you're a resident mm. to say like, oh, it looks salt and pepper. <laughs> That's like presumptuous. Yeah, yeah. So I have a resident who last year mentioned that when I was describing these salt and pepper nuclei, he said, you know, I can see pepper, but I've never been able to see salt. How do you see salt? And I was like, I don't know. You got to have like the fancy like kosher stuff or something, you know? I don't know, it's, it's, it's pink Himalayan salt. Right. right. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. All right. So you got, you definitely got the salt and pepper, but we have a bonus question for you for an unspecified and unlimited amount of points. Well, it's limited, I guess, but can you name some examples of some neuroendocrine markers so that after you say this looks like salt and pepper, your attending's going to go, well, what do we want to order on this? And what would we order? Naptochromo. That's mm-hmm. My first two. For sure, for sure. Promosynapto are like the OGs. There's also CD56, which sometimes we order as a kind of neuroendocrine marker, but it's not as specific. You'll see in a lot of random other stuff as well, including like NK cells. And then the latest and greatest is INSM1 or selenoma associated protein 1, which apparently is a zinc finger transcription factor. So yeah, and it's nuclear. And I know a lot of um, folks like using it for neuroendocrine differentiation. So that's the latest and greatest. Excellent. Two bonus points, two bonus points to take you up to four points so far. All right. Next question. This appearance is seen in vessels, often arterioles in the kidney and may be associated with hypertension or seen in processes such as progressive systemic sclerosis and is characterized by concentric lamellation and luminal narrowing of the vessel. You may be brought to tears if you see this in a renal transplant biopsy. Onion skinning. Yes! That's my bad <laughs> pun about crying. I no, didn't I realize that, that all the that. food puns would be very good. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Strong work. I definitely don't think that I knew about onion skinning when I was a resident and certainly not a first year resident. So very, very impressive. But yeah, exactly. It's the thickening of the arterial wall and it has kind of like an onion skin appearance. So excellent. Excellent. All right. You are killing it. You're killing it. So we have just two more. Next question. These cells, which are also known as LP cells, have enlarged nuclei with lobular contours and are seen in nodular lymphocyte predominant Hodgkin lymphoma. You may want to have a bucket of them as you sit and watch the latest diagnostic controversy play out at some platform presentations at high-powered pathology meetings. <laughs> Do you like how I just threw that shade there? On the That's record? really funny. All right. Do you know okay, what the cell is? I have to think about it. Those yeah. LP cells would be good with some butter. Mm-hmm. While watching and a movie. Movies. Yeah, most people will probably eat these types of cells while watching a movie and not while <laughs> watching a platform presentation. Like popcorn, popcorn? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Popcorn cells. Popcorn cells. Yeah, so these, and Dr. Mercy can correct me if I'm wrong because I am not a heme machine as he is. But yeah, in nodular lymphocyte predominant Hodgkin lymphoma, you get these clonal cells that are called LP cells or popcorn cells. They have these like big and large nuclei, lobulated contours like a pop piece of popcorn or kernel of popcorn and then in the background you have your reactive lymphocytes and histiocytes and it grows in a nodular pattern and the predominant cells are lymphocytes as is obvious from the name <laughs> all 
All right. Love it. I dubbed thee an honorary hematopathologist. Oh, please don't. Please don't. No, I don't. No, 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 no. I need my hemopath colleagues to help me with that. Awesome. You are doing awesome, Dr. Loxus. And one last question. This one is a little bit of a tricky one, but oh boy. I have faith. All right. So I saved the best for last. And actually, I love it. I hope you guys can't hear my stomach growling because all this talking about food is I making know, me a little too. snacky. Yes. It's like late in the day and I'm like, oh, yeah, some popcorn would be great. All right. This would be a good snack too. Not to be confused with a quiche cell or a pie cell. These cells may be seen in the cytology from pleural effusions in patients with systemic lupus erythematosus. And these are monocytes or histiocytes with engulfed intact nuclear material. It may make you feel like a sour puss if you spent your whole afternoon searching for them only to find out that they are not specific for lupus. Do you know what type of cell we are talking about? No, I do not. <laughs> the hints were quiche uh, <laughs> and the word sour. But yeah, so these are tart cells. And probably the Ooh. reason that you don't remember them is it is a little bit of an old timey term. So there's two types of cells that you can see in the cytology of pleural fusions from patients with lupus. And they're classically the LE cell or the tart cell. And the LE cell has hypnotic degenerated nuclear material in there. And then the tart cell has an intact cell in there. So that's the difference between the LE cell and the tart cell. And honestly, I don't think most people actually look for them for lupus because now we use serologies and right. clinical factors. And the, the specificity and sensitivity is very low because basically I'm only looking for these cells if I know the patient has lupus and I'm trying to find one of them for a textbook. So Right. Anyway, but yes. Yeah, so excellent. You did great. Dr. Loxus, you've definitely won enough to win your own path pod clear ruler. Yay! How do you feel? How do you feel now that you've won? I feel amazing. You know, I'm going to be the talk of the town up in the <laughs> resident room. I'm going to make sure no one touches my ruler. It's going to be great. Yes. And you've conquered your fears. The food references yeah, that were your nemesis are your nemesis no longer. We're friends now, besties. Especially me and the tart cells. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Drop that one on, you know, one of your cytopath attendings. They will definitely look at you as if you were like a thousand like, years what? old. They're totally. going to be like, 1957 called. They want their cytology terminology back. Awesome. So 100%. Yeah. Yep. The resident yep. who avoids the food associations will definitely hit the tart cell perfectly. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Strong work. Strong work. Excellent. Excellent. All right, and now it is time for our Bluff the Guest game for Dr. Lubin. Dr. Lubin, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, yeah. So I am, like I said, in Atlanta. I'm working at Emory. I am a descendant of a pathologist, so my father was a pathologist, and that's kind of how I found myself doing this. So, but you know, when I was in medical school, I looked at a bunch of other specialties I was thinking about radiology, neurology, even psychiatry, but I ended up just deciding you couldn't do any better, or at least I couldn't than pathology. And, you know, I'm really glad about that. Every day is kind of like, I feel like my job is kind of like, kind of like collecting baseball cards or something, you know, <laughs> like just reading about exotic entities and then discovering them in the wild and everything. So yeah, it's, it's really fun. I love it. And, you know, I love working here with all the residents and everything and great colleagues here. So yeah, it's my first job. I was a little stressed when I started a couple of years ago, but I am digging it. 
Mm. Do you have memories of your dad taking you to work? Yes. So he used to take me and he would sit me across, you know, at the microscope with him and we would look at slides together. And he started, he would ask me to name various organs and I got decent at some of the more obvious ones. <laughs> so like liver, I could do, I was very good with fat. I could identify <laughs> fat, like you wouldn't believe, but, uh, but, you know, a lot of it was just kind of like, you know, kind of magic to me. And that was part of the appeal, I think, is I was like, how does he know oh, what cool. he's looking at? You know, But yeah, I have very fond memories. And he used to also use me as a slide mule. So if he needed to give slides to a colleague for whatever reason, he'd give me a nickel and run me upstairs with the slides. So mm-hmm. yeah, the very fond memories. Wow. He paid you? That's amazing. I would have definitely not paid my kids to do that. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very generous man. That's yeah, I don't know yeah. what he was thinking. I mean, I probably would have done it for free. I was very eager. but <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, like when I have my kids come here, I make them diagnose like my thyroid FNAs and I don't pay them anything. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm ki- kidding, kidding. For the record, my kids are not. That explains my indeterminate rate, right? But no, no. I think I just violated every professional standard. It's like child labor, you know, having the unlicensed practice of medicine. Yeah, that's that's going to need to be edited out. I hope you're paying them for their diagnosis. No, I I said them specifically. Is it child labor if you don't pay them? Maybe that's the loophole, right? I think child volunteering is okay for that. Child voluntold. I think that's just child slavery. That that might be even worse. Okay, yeah. That That might be be a different word. Digging the hole deeper. (laughs) I I just call it parenting. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, just parenting. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Great. And then what do you do for fun aside from collecting baseball cards? Yeah. So uh, I guess the hobby that I'm most into these days, and it's kind of something like one of these pandemic things. I mean, I was always doing it, but it became a little more, I don't know, uh, intense about it to the, to the point that my fiance was like, you need to get a, a life, man, is the, the mushrooming. And oh. so I love mushroom foraging. It's, and it's honestly very similar to what we do in pathology in many ways. So you have to get out there and try to identify the mushrooms in among the grass and the leaves. And so there's this cytology aspect to it. And then once you find them, you have to try to figure out what species it is. So, and there are various, you know, ways to do that kind of like our ancillary tests. So, so I've been really enjoying that and cataloging a bunch of random mushrooms that I find in the wild. And, you know, even on my walks home, you'll find me in the bushes sometimes. <laughs> one of our cytotechnologists did one day find me in the bushes digging for mushrooms. And she's like, I'm not going to disturb him. He seems like he's, <laughs> he's, 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 something's wrong with this guy today. I'm, so that's been something I've been kind of into recently. And otherwise, you know, playing guitar and cooking, we do a lot of cooking. So, you know, standard stuff. So when you say cataloging them, what does that mean? Well, so I'll just take pictures of them and try to take a mushroom, like a spore print, where you take the cap and you'll lay it down on a dark surface and leave it for, you know, several hours and wait for the spores to come out. Look at the color of the spores. You can also stain them up. And luckily I have access to great stains and a microscope so I can actually look at the spores. So, you know, it's a dream of mine to eventually have like a little encyclopedia of (laughs) mushrooms, but I'm still very much a intermediate kind of, you know, intermediate level guy, but yeah. 
So are there competitive sport kind of thing with this mushroom stuff? Well, there are, and it's weird. So I don't get into that stuff. Like I don't go to the mushroom festivals. There's, as you might imagine with any of these niche hobbies, you'll get some very passionate people. And yeah, they can be very competitive and very secretive about where they, their spots. They don't let anybody know where they go to find their mushrooms. And uh, but I'm not really like that. So I'll bring residents and Dr. Vishwanathan, who you had on your podcast one time, he's come with me foraging. So I show people, I try to spread the love, you know. Oh man, um, I definitely, I want to come mushroom foraging. That sounds very interesting. So do you, do you eat the mushrooms that you identify ever? Yes, so I do. So there are, I would say I have about like mm, 25 species or so at this point that I feel comfortable eating. And uh, they're actually it's quite easy to learn. There are several that are just, there are almost no lookalikes. And then there are others that are a little more like challenging, but as long as you take all the precautions and you do the spore prints and you know what you're doing, and as long as you go with people who also know what they're doing, you'll be fine. And, you know, read the field guides. And so, yeah, there's these atypical mushrooms that are <laughs> a little more challenging, but, oh, I also want to go out there and say, I do not do psychedelic mushrooms. Okay. <laughs> so, so people always ask me, I uh, know these are just tasty ones for the table. Uh, do exactly. eat them raw or do, you, do they all need to be cooked? So you should all wild mushrooms, you should cook. There's a, there's one species I know that you technically can eat raw, but it's, I, I cook all of them. I'm, I'm too scared. Okay. Mm. I have eaten one mushroom that I found in my woods and it was a lion's mane and it was Ooh, enormous. And nice. I'd gotten some from the farmer's market and my husband found it up in a tree and we ate it and we didn't die. And I felt good about that. Wow. We did not feed it to our children because <laughs> we love them, but we felt very confident about our identification. Oh yeah. Nothing looks like that. And those are yeah. awesome mushrooms. They're so cool. It was huge. It was huge. So wow. awesome. Oh, man. Excellent. Yes. I'm super hungry. We have to stop talking about it. Now. We really, we really do. Here's I'm going to have to Mike's leave. This is like someone really else has to host this. I'm going to go have a snack. Because <laughs> when I see mushrooms, like on the, on the, we have the, a park across from our house. My inclination is to run and kick them. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe I <laughs> no, now listen, that part of me is uh, very right. hurt to hear that, but part of me is also stoked because you're just spreading the spores, you know? Well, that's, so that's what I'm not that's doing. You're not getting myself. rid of the shroom. You're, you're spreading more of them. We've <laughs> learned in my house that my love language is violence. And so I just keep finding <laughs> Well, maybe it's some part of like the, the mushrooms have evolved in synergy with Christina where the mushrooms are like, I have evolved this appearance. It's going to make right. people want to kick me. And then they're going to spread my spores around. Right. So oh, it's perfect. See, yeah, you're doing what the mushrooms want you to do. You're doing what the mushrooms <laughs> want you to do. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, our other guests, Casey and Margarita, are you ready to stump Dr. Lubin? Let's right. do it. Let's do right. it. Casey, do you want to go ahead since you sound excited about this? Oh, and just so everyone knows how this works, this is basically two truths and one lie. Our other guests are going to tell two truths and one lie, either about their own lives or pathology. And Dr. Lubin is going to have to detect what is the lie. All right, Dr. Lubin. First off, it's a pleasure it. to meet you through the podcast nice here. Thank good you. Good luck. Good luck stumping me. I'm feeling I'm feeling good today. Oh, all the right. gauntlet has been thrown. That's anything kind of... past me. All right, all right. So first, I am a brown belt in Jishukan Ryu Jiu-Jitsu, Japanese-based martial art. Two, I once ran a 
full marathon. Number three, I have pet dwarf shrimp. <laughs> this is tough. This is very tough. So in terms of number one, you pronounce that very well, the, uh, the, that type of jujitsu. So I, I can't imagine this would just be a passing interest. It sounds like you really know what you're talking about. So I'm, I'm thinking that's true. In terms of two and three, now three is just a, a freaking weird thing uh, to volunteer if you don't have pet <laughs> shrimp. So there were dwarf I, shrimps wrong right? from dwarf a mushroom forge. Maybe may may, I just you know, insert that? Wouldn't, wouldn't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't it be funny? That's true. Wouldn't it be funny though if like the the lie was that they were dwarf shrimp and that he actually raises giant shrimp? Right, they're just jumbo shrimp. You've never seen shrimp so big. <laughs> they're uh, just lobsters. <laughs> so, so that is interesting. That's very strange. I mean, that would be a very creative lie. Now, I would feel kind of like I'm insulting you to say you've never run a full marathon, even though most of us haven't. But you do seem like a very fit fella. So I'm really struggling with this one. I'm just going to say you you went with something, some crazy eccentric lie, and it's the shrimp one is a lie. Well, I think I stumped it, Dr. Lumen. Oh. oh. What the- I, uh, I ran a half marathon. I've mm. never ran a full marathon, though. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. But you do have these dwarf shrimp. Tell us about these dwarf shrimp. I need to learn about this. I was going to see a picture. Yeah. Do you, do you have a photo? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, you know, I will definitely, okay, I will pull up a photo. And as I'm pulling up a photo, I'll talk a little bit about them briefly. So it's Neo Carandina. And it's, so basically, the story goes is that we adopted these little shrimp during the COVID 19 pandemic. My fiance just started following shrimp people on Instagram. And she just thought they were the coolest. I, I cannot make this story up. Yes. So. Yes. And yes, she was and looking up shrimp people on Instagram right now. And, 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 and it's like, you don't eat them at all. Cause like, oh my gosh, people would think, oh, shrimp you make, you eat. No, no, no. They were just like little tiny things. They get up to like, I don't know, inch, half inch long. And then the moms are a little bit bigger. They carry the eggs. They live about two to three years usually. But it's like, you ever see that shrimp in Finding Nemo? Well, oh, all he does, yeah. he just cleans. He's like, we, we eat all that stuff. Yeah, that's all they do. They just clean, they clean and they just like, I don't know, hibernate and then they clean again. That's like all, it's, it's amazing. They're so much fun. You'll have to email it out and we'll have to put some shrimp on the cover art for the episode. Yes, I'll uh, email that. Yeah, I have to say when I, when I looked up shrimp on Instagram, it's like still just food shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to do some digging to find the shrimp people, but I'm going to find name the them? shrimp people. Hmm? Do they have names? So when we first started off and it's amazing. Amazon, Jeff Bezos, he knows something about shrimp. So we started out with 10 shrimp and I think we had like seven guys, like three gals. And initially we named them and now we have like 50 or 60. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. They, I tell you what, Hey, if those conditions are right, uh, man, they're, they're, like, they're like the rabbits, you know, of, of the freshwater tank. They just go haywire. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Maybe you should graduate up to the full size shrimp and then you can have like a never ending food supply. You're clearly excellent <laughs> at shrimp husbandry, right? It's like, it's like kicking the mushrooms. <laughs> it's like kicking the mushrooms. <laughs> spreading them. Spreading them. <laughs> be surrounded by shrimp soon. The next time we talk to you, Casey, you're going to have like a thousand shrimp. Like all we're going to see is the top of your head and like the sea of shrimp. Oh, yeah. Well, I, we're getting close and, and ready to upgrade to a much bigger tank. So mm-hmm. that, that's in the coming mm-hmm. months here. 
Mm, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. That sounds awesome. All right. Well, so Dr. Lubin, the trash talk did not, did not serve you well. You ready to talk some trash to Dr. Lox is here? I'm going to talk some trash. Oh yeah. Listen, Marguerite, you got to bring, bring your worst, but I tell you, I am, I am on point after that one loss. Yeah, exactly. You're you're on to me. Bounce back strong. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Okay. Truth or lie, number one, I am legally blind without corrective lenses. Truth or lie, number two, I love the arcade game Dance Dance Revolution, and I can play on expert mode. Truth or lie, number three, I legally changed my name to Margarita when I was 18 years old. And I want to say for the people who can't see, Dr. Lubin is making notes. Like he's <laughs> very seriously. He's making a spore print he's of these yeah. statements right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to make sure I don't miss anything, any detail, <laughs> which might be incriminating. Yes. So legally blind, dance, dance, revolution, and change your name to Margarita at the age of 18. Okay, let me think about this. I mean, obviously, you're not wearing glasses now. So you would have to be wearing contacts of some sort or just not seeing any of us. So <laughs> I, need, I can't quite tell if you're wearing contacts, but that is a point against that one. Dance Dance Revolution. Now, I haven't heard anyone refer to that game in years. So I think it would be <laughs> a weird lie to come up with Dance Dance Revolution because that hasn't been hot for like 10 years. No offense if you're still passionate about it. Again, another I, interesting I, I, the yeah, mushroom no, I mean, I, again, <laughs> like mushroom foraging hasn't been hot since like 1827. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably, that's fair. That's fair. Very judgmental comment from the mushroom forage. And then the margarita, the name change. Now, I don't know how you could possibly come up with that as a lie. I mean... All right, let me think about this. I'm just going to go with, I think the legally blind thing is a lie. I am actually legally blind oh. without my contacts. Oh. Yes. <laughs> my God. Which, which is a very interesting, an interesting thing considering my job very much requires me to have eyeballs that work. But it's a good thing I was born in the year 1996 and I had access to eye surgery and corrective lenses. So the lie is that I changed my name when I was 15. Oh my Whoa. gosh. What was it? <laughs> so yeah, no, my, well, my birth name was Margaret. So it wasn't that far off, but I grew up in a Greek household. So I was basically only called Margarita at home or Ita is like my family nickname. And when I went to kindergarten, I didn't know that my name was Margaret. Evidentially, I had no idea. So everyone was like, oh, what's your name? And I'm like, it's Margarita. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, okay. And it just stuck. And then when I went to high school, I was met with some resistance by the ever conservative teachers at my Catholic high school. And I was like a big kind of straight laced rule abiding kid. So I was like really upset that I was like ruffling feathers, but that was my name. So I was like, you know what? This is my name. And I legally changed it. Awesome. Really Wait, cool. now you got to tell us a little bit about your dance dance revolution. Game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna have to see oh this at God. a future meeting if we can find <laughs> a machine somewhere. Well, there there is a website which tells you every location of a dance dance revolution machine, whatever city that you oh like. So don't worry. Wow. <laughs> I loved it as a kid. It was the best. 
it was the best ever. And yeah, I just like grew up and as an adult, I hadn't played for a few years because who has dance revolution anymore? And it just was like a party trick if I would like run into a machine at any point. And then my fiance, now fiance, but our first Christmas together, he got me a PlayStation 2 with like all the DDR games that I used to play. <laughs> so now we can play at home as a party trick which is a great time. <laughs> and it's good exercise, kind of, right? It, it, well, especially, I mean, yeah, no, 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 that's like high intensity interval training. You just go really <laughs> hard for like 90 <laughs> seconds and then you like flop on the couch and you go <laughs> really hard again for like another 90 seconds. It's great. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Excellent. Well, I think okay. Dr. Lubin's trash talking really served him super poorly this round. Yeah. But yeah. as a yeah, I was not impressed. As a yeah, consolation uh, prize, we will still send you this clear ruler. Oh, um, oh, yes, wow! You guys yes, are too kind. Yes, yes. In exchange for a mushroom foraging Coding. experience yeah, type of outing the next time we're in Atlanta. So now we're at the part of the quiz show where you get to turn the tables on us. And Dr. Lubin, did you bring some stump the chump games for the rest of us? I brought some questions. I, I brought some challenging questions for you. Oh, no. Yes. Casey, yes. you're going to help us out, right? Yes. Thanks. I gotcha. Thanks. Just type it. Just type in the chat directly to us what the right answer is. Okay. We won't be able to hear it. No one will know that we're cheating. All right. Christina, are you ready? Ready. Sure. All right. I'm ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> All right. So I guess the first question we can stick with kind of the pathology related or anatomy related question. So I learned this factoid from Dr. Lavolsi, who I believe learned it from Orlo Clark, who was an endocrine surgeon at UCSF. Mm. So uh, hopefully you haven't learned this fact from Lavolsi yourselves. Now lay it on us. <laughs> All right. So the question is, where in the neck of the giraffe is the thyroid gland located? So is it in the superior aspect, just inferior to the head? Is it in the middle or is it down at the base, just above the sternum? Wow. Or I guess is... part D would be they don't have thyroid glands. <laughs> they don't have thyroid gland. That would be a real plot twist. <laughs> and I love that their, their skin patterning looks like thyroid follicles, but I have literally never thought of, I've, I've looked at the thyroid gland in mice, which are very different than giraffes. Now I haven't seen a giraffe in a while. I don't know, Christina, what do you think? Yeah. What's your giraffe anatomy knowledge? Like, I feel like I, you've been on some adventures like with some Casey animals. And Mike have got an answer. They're just dying to tell us, tell us. Unmute. I don't know. I know they have the same number of cervical vertebrae. So that makes me think that things are kind of in the same place and that maybe it's low down in the neck. Yeah. yeah, I'm going low. I feel like I would be low just because I feel like there's that whole mediastinal area. And then for an endocrine organ, I feel like you would want it to be closer to the rest of the body. But I know evolution doesn't really do things like that. I'm just trying to imagine doing an FNA on a giraffe. And I would certainly rather have the thyroid lower down when you reach it. <laughs> Not that this is something I'm ever likely to have to do. What do you do. think, Casey? I would say for whatever reason, I just want to say hi. And I don't have any particular background knowledge of giraffe, giraffe neck anatomy. It just, right. this is a pure hunch. Let's do it. Let's see. Are we going low or high? We have to, we have to decide, mm. right? Eh. 
Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be great if it was the middle, the part that none of us have even considered? It's just like the giraffe thyroid is just super long and just encompasses the whole, like the entirety of the neck. It's just all thyroid, all thyroid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Let's go. Let's go low. Let's go low. Let's go low. Okay. Let's go low team. Let's go low. Well, when you guys go low, you go, the giraffe goes high. We set you up for that. Okay, the, uh, so yeah. Apparently it's just inferior to the head up in the top of the neck. Wow. Um, yeah. I never yeah. would have guessed that myself. It seems like it should be low. Uh, low seems to make sense to me, but apparently it's quite high. And and mm. their necks are it's quite interesting because so you may know about the recurrent laryngeal nerve, which goes down around the great vessels yeah, and then yeah. returns back into the neck. So for giraffes, they have the same nerve and it's about 15 feet long. Oh my wow. gosh. So they're a uh, bummer. They're yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a bummer. A lot of opportunities to get the recurrent laryngeal nerve injured. Fascinating. <laughs> yes. Fascinating. Well, that just, that re- relieves me because now I feel like I no. never have to worry about doing an FNA on a giraffe because like I can't possibly reach that high. So <laughs> boom. Off the hook, off the hook. Fascinating. All right, what's next? Okay, question number two. So what is currently the largest living organism in the world? Is it A, a honey mushroom, B, a blue whale, C, a redwood tree, D, a species of seagrass, or E, Dwayne the Rock Johnson? (laughs) My kids would love that one. Oh man. Ooh, gosh. I like the mushroom answer, right? Because they're all like kind of connected underground and you're a mushroom dude. Was it largest or longest? What was so the, the largest by like largest, just pure size. Okay. I, I want to say redwood tree. I, again, this is a pure hunch, but mm, I, yeah. could, I don't know. I did just read. Did you guys read the overstory? It's a very arboreal book. And I can't remember if in there it says something about how, again, sometimes trees are networked under the ground. I know this because we went to some of the national parks where they have forest fires and a lot of the trees look like it was as if they had been planted all at the same time, but it's because they're all somehow networked under the ground, says this person who is clearly not a botanist at all. Um, the redwoods this spring? What are you thinking, Mike? It's a tough one. The mushroom, I think, the appeal of the mushroom to me is that it could be a lot of it that's underground that you can't see. So that might be a really sneaky way to get us to go for something else that we think of as big because it's above ground. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of torn to the seagrass thing just because it sounds so bizarre. And the sea mm-hmm. is so huge. Mm-hmm. We're all over the place here. What are we, we are all over the place. Hmm. I say we go with mushrooms because I would like to eat an enormous mushroom right now because I'm kind of <laughs> hungry. And a honey mushroom was Darling. very specific. I didn't. I don't even know what a honey mushroom is. I say we pick it so that Danny can teach us more about honey mushrooms. Do and whether it. that or if, or if that was just let's a go. thing that he made up. Yeah, let's go. let's go with mushroom. All right. So that that is a very good guess. And I, I will be perfectly honest. When I was looking this question up. I thought it was the honey mushroom because (laughs) that is what it has been for many years. So I've been throwing this fact out for years now, but then it turns out that in June, it was reported that there is a species of seagrass west of Australia uh, that is now considered the largest organism. So yes, Christina, you were right. 
Uh, this yeah. is, it's called Posidonia Australis, and it is about 110 miles long. This, uh, wow. Um, well, the 10 miles? 110. 110. 110 miles. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, and, you know, they've cloned the, the plant from different parts, and it's all the same organism. So, yeah, it's a, wow. that's, a, that's a big freaking. That's uh, a big seagrass. And like every other organism in Australia, is it capable of like killing you instantly upon contact? I'm just going to assume so. Yeah, it'll <laughs> probably shock your, you. Your, your it, it'll like engulf your head and poison yes. you immediately. <laughs> or it'll like crash your car when you try to apparently. So I was talking to Tristan Rutland, who's from Australia at the CAP meeting, and it was awesome to meet him. And he and his wife were so awesome. But they were telling me that even cute animals like wombats look so cute apparently they're quite hazardous because they're very dense and if you run into a wombat with a car it'll like flip your car over and the wombat will walk away unscathed and i always thought they were kind of like just cute funny little like marsupial like creatures we were just in costa rica and Mm -hmm. we have a lot of tours and our tour guide i just we had a different tour guide every day would say like listen if you stand right here, you can see the sloth. But if you stand here and touch that bush, you're dead. What? Like so many of the tour guys were like, you're going to the hospital. You have <gasps> one hour to live if this thing touches you. Because oh it's so God. beautiful, right? So the only defense mechanism all these plants have or at whatever is to be poisonous. Mm. There's not a lot of natural predators. Don't touch. Don't touch. I was just oh, like, so- as soon as you tell me not to touch it, I know I'm going to hug it on accident. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going to be like, I need to hold I this can't. poisonous bush in my arms it's like the don't push the button phenomenon don't push this button you push the button yeah yeah yeah. well i mean that's like when i'm doing fnas right when we do thyroid biopsies you tell the patients not to swallow or cough and i'm like the minute i tell you not to swallow or cough that's what you're gonna want to do but get it out of your system now Mm -hmm. because then i'm going to stick a needle on the street don't kick the fungus (laughs) apparently you can kick the fungus i say go for it kick the fungus fungus. Mm. i say take a picture of it largest honey mushroom not the world's largest honey mushroom yeah okay just real quick though tell us about the honey mushroom ah yes recently dethroned honey mushroom recently dethroned so it's known as humongous fungus and it's over in oregon let me make sure i got these numbers right so it is about it covers about 3.7 square miles of oh, woodlands in wow. uh, Oregon and they it's believed to be about a couple thousand years old and could weigh you know it they the the numbers are all over the place but they suggest you know it could be 10,000 to 30,000 tons so it's it's a big freaking mushroom wow uh, but like you know mike was saying you know most of it's under the ground and you only see the fruiting bodies on the surface but yeah that was the largest living organism until June 2022. Can you summarize like the smallest to the largest of the things you said? Oh yeah, let me see. Let me try. I'm gonna guess that Dwayne the Rock Johnson is the smallest. Probably the smallest. He's certainly dead. smaller than a blue whale. Yeah, <laughs> and a redwood. I don't know about the blue whale versus the redwood. Blue whales are pretty large, but I don't uh, know. Yeah, I but the I, redwood would be bigger, right? They're pretty big. They are huge. I, I remember know. seeing them when I was a kid. I was smaller then. I was no Dwayne the Rock Johnson, but you know they were pretty big. Pretty big. Yeah, they're large. Ah. I do know that Dwayne is probably the smallest? Mm. But, uh, yeah. Oh, excellent. Okay, all right. So, 
Christina's Christina's she's on fire. All right. Do you have any more? Let's do one more. Cause I feel like I want to learn more about mushrooms and okay. then I'm going to go eat like a huge snack. Me too. So yes, this is one. So what, how much does the most expensive mushroom in the world cost per pound? So I'm going to give you some ranges here. There's a $5,000 or less per pound. B, $5,000 to $10,000 per pound. C, $10,000 to $25,000 per pound. Or D, over $25,000 per pound. This has got to be truffles, right? So I'm guessing there's more expensive mushrooms than truffles. Ah, I must have them. Hmm. I remember reading about some enormous truffle going for some astronomical amount in Hmm. some auction or another. I don't remember the per pound price. I want to say the price of the mushroom was over 25,000, but I can't remember how many pounds it was. I would go sign that note. (laughs) You would go sign that note. That would be the a best lot of mushroom. Let's, I, I'd yeah. take the that was a lot, right? A pound a is mushroom? a lot of mushroom. Mm-hmm. Oh, many. I'll tell you, they're very light. They're very light. They're very light. I've actually done a truffle hunting demonstration the last time I was in Prague. They were not $25,000 because they were just small and they were using a dog to find them for <laughs> tourists, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. But um, where's the best place in the world for truffle? I mean, for mushrooms. Dr. Lubin, if you were like, that's on the mushroom, I guess, you know, they're like an exotic truffles. We, I I believe there are truffle species you can get in Southern United States, but I don't forage for truffles, but there are, you need to start training your dog or, you know, get a dog, train the dog. We got the dog. dog. I'm going to do it. I, I'm meaning to get around to that. I mean, first thing is, you know, a stay and, and lie down, but after (laughs) that we're on. Yep. Yep. Apparently, (laughs) I mean, apparently you can train many different kinds of dogs to train for truffles. There's not just one specific kind and (laughs) pigs too, I guess, though, that would be a difficult pet to have, I think. But cute. All right. Um, so we're going with over 25,000. Anybody else? Any other thoughts? I say go for it. Go big or go Let's home. Do it. Let's do it. All right. You are correct. It is over $25,000 a pound. And so it's actually an interesting species. It's called Ophiocordyceps sinensis. Mm, and this is a it's Chinese. It's, it right? is. It's a, it is. Yeah. So it's in Southern Asia. And these, it's kind of a common name is caterpillar fungus. And so they parasitized this, the larvae of the ghost moth, it's called. And then they grow, they kill the, you know, this little bug and then grow out of the bug. So it's kind of gross and maybe not that appealing for, for <laughs> dinner, but it's, it's considered, you know, to be medicinal. And so, so it's very prized and people will spend ridiculous amounts of money to get this mushroom. I was about to say, I just saw a picture on Google. I looked this up because I never heard of this. $63,000 a pound. There you go. Wow. Is that, um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I have not found that one, but I might have to make a trip. <laughs> You'll have to go day. look for these little dead caterpillars in Southeast yes. Asia with mushrooms growing out of their heads. Then I'm done. You'll never see me again. <laughs> You'll never. We'll just like see you on a yacht, like <laughs> drinking champagne off the money that the parasitizing caterpillar fungus has gotten you. I love it. I love it. And on that note, I feel like we can't possibly get any better than 
$65,000 a pound. <laughs> so I just wanted to say thank you so much to all our guests and my wonderful co-hosts for joining us today. And it's been a blast. I've learned so much. I have gotten to torture people with bad puns. And I also really, really need a snack now. So it's been good That's seeing good all of you guys. Bye, everybody. Have bye. Bye. Take care. Pleasure to see everyone. Bye. Support for the Free Path Pod podcast comes from listeners who like it and share it with their friends. So go ahead, send someone the link. And be sure to subscribe to PathPod wherever you download your podcasts. PathPod is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not medical advice. As always on the podcast, any views expressed are solely those of the person speaking and do not necessarily represent their employers, their affiliated institutions, affiliated professional organizations, other speakers on the program, their friends, their families, their pets, or anyone involved in the production and distribution of this podcast. Thanks for listening to PathPod. Ha <laughs> ha